Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, November the 7th, 2018. It is 4 p.m. New York time. That's 1 p.m. Los Angeles time, 9 p.m. London time. And uh, I, I'm getting an extra special treat today because I've been doing podcasts with Cindy now for almost a year. And today I actually get to see her while we're doing the podcast. This is the first time I've actually gotten a chance to see you. This is great. I love this. So how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I just noticed... My office door has glass in it, and it looks out into another room, and it's dark as night here right now. It's because the storm clouds have come in, and I'm like, ah. looks like I'm in London, and it's 9 p.m. But that's no, right. It's, not. it's, it's like, just the weather. It's in the afternoon. It's just dark. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, just as long as you maintain your your connection, that's all we really need, anyway. So you're you're dry. You're inside. So these are all good. Should things. be good. Yeah. These are all Should good. Be good. And what's been good has been our exploration of the book by Neville Goddard, Feeling is the Secret. Um, the conversation we had this morning was particularly interesting to me uh, because we, we, kind of, we kind of opened up a new layer to the onion about um, Neville's analogy of, of what the, the relationship between conscious and subconscious is. I was actually thinking about it today when I took my walk outside. I mean, it was just, it was just running from my brain, this whole analogy. You know, it, was, it was filling in the gaps and so forth. It was kind of cool. So, yeah, it was good this morning. Well, you know, an interesting thing, and we did talk about that this morning, too. Today's the new moon. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the new moon in Scorpio and Scorpio being the ruler of the eighth house in astrology and how that's, like, hidden things. And, I mean, when we're dealing with Neville, imagination like Mm -hmm. what's going on in our mind in our heart like those are invisible things right that's a realm that no one else is really privy to and i was getting ready to write my email list uh an email and i thought about our podcast this morning and i was thinking about practice practice these kind of methods how do we practice because we've been talking about falling asleep tapping into that imagination. And I thought, what is the most, what is one tip that I can send to my list today for this new moon that would help? And the quote that came to my mind was from Paulo Coelho. I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Alchemist. It's one of my favorite books. Oh, yes. Uh, Okay. A a classic book. Um, But it's a quote from Paulo Coelho, and it says, always remember to stay on the bridge between the visible and the invisible. And I thought, I started thinking about that because we were talking this morning about reality, right? Now when I make the air quotes, you can see I can see the air quotes. quotes. (laughs) I'm thinking about the 3D environment that we live in. We we call that, you know, reality. And then there's the, and that's the visible. And this morning, uh, we were reading, Neville said, we call it into being visible. Mm-hmm. And so when I read this quote, always stay on the bridge. That, a bridge is, that connects the visible with the invisible. And I thought, that's our imagination. Our imagination. Because mm-hmm. we have the visible. Sometimes we get so caught up in the visible that the invisible is hard for us to access. Mm-hmm. We go, yeah, yeah, well, I know I'm trying to create that thing, but that's not what I'm seeing. You know, that's not what my bank account says. Right, right. right. I still feel pretty lonely over here with no mate or mm-hmm. whatever it is we're trying to cre- create. Right. So I thought, always stay on the bridge. What is the bridge? It's the imagination. It's that's true. It. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Well, 
actually that fits in perfectly because I said during my walk I was I was focusing on that analogy and I was filling in the gaps and what I was doing as I was filling in the gaps was recognizing that every time that I take a walk or any time that I'm doing anything where I'm not having to you know do a particular task so I can actually focus on something else I'm spending more and more time doing exactly that spending more time on the bridge you know just just practicing what what can I what can I try to imagine what 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 feeling can I you know, turn into a reality right now. What, 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 uh, new scene can I create? What's my next vignette? What's the vignette that I've been practicing? I, I, I'm doing that more and more. And I'm thinking back to, oh, say, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I was first getting into all this stuff and feeling like if I got through one affirmation in a day, it was a miracle. Now I'm, I'm like hammering it, you know? <laughs> so on the one hand, there are times where I'm saying, God, I'm not making any progress. And there are other times I say, look at all the progress you've made. My goodness. <laughs> well, I always think about our listener. Uh, we have a listener that, that let us know that they like to listen to our podcast while they're riding a tractor. Oh, I and love that. Yes. <laughs> Right. And I have heard um, from my handsome sweetheart that has ridden a tractor before and said it's it's like this mindless work. But it's like the sound of the tractor, the humming, you're out in a field somewhere and, and your mind just opens up and gets so clear. And so it was so funny when you told me that because we've had that discussion before, mm -hmm. you know, and riding a tractor is not something that he ever does or has <laughs> ever done since I've known him. But he still has that memory mm -hmm. of, you know, growing up on a farm and riding a tractor and saying, oh, I'd, I'd love to get out there because it was a space where my mind would be clear. And it's just this. And I think about the kind of mindless work that we sometimes do. Because you just said it. You said, whenever I'm doing something where I don't have to be, like, focused. Right. I used to laugh that it seemed like I always got these really wonderful, you know, divine messages when I was washing the dishes. And I think it's just <laughs> because I don't have to think about doing that. No. Right? It's like mindless work. So <laughs> even those chores we have that we might dread sometimes, if we look at it that way, is it's a time where we can – we can use that time now like that yeah. in, to create something. Oh, yeah. That, that's awesome. big in my life now. In fact, it gets to the point where sometimes <laughs> I, I'm thinking I, I have too many of these focus tasks. I don't want so many of the focus tasks. I want more of the tasks where I don't have to focus so much so I can do my own stuff. <laughs> well, I think Neville said in our reading this morning, he was talking about thinking of going to sleep at night with the longing that we think of going to like meet our lover. And I thought, mm. especially when I was lucid dreaming, I was so excited to go to bed every night and fall asleep and have like, what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> what kind of dream will I have tonight? What can I create tonight? And I think it's that way with all of our practices. Once we get in a groove with them and they start mm. working, we start actually, it's kind of like when you make a painting, mm -hmm. once you make a few and you start getting a, a rhythm to it and you understand how your medium works and you start producing something, you just want to make another one. It's like, look at this thing I made. Well, that's how conscious creation is to us. Once we get rolling with it, it's like, we just want to keep doing I it. I think you're right. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. You, I, your idea of the rhythm, I like that. Cause it, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, you, you, you get into the rhythm and you're doing it for a while. And then all of a sudden you recognize you're in the rhythm. It's like, I can do this. <laughs> I can actually, I can really do this, you know, that, and that, that alone is a big step. I don't know. Maybe it isn't for everybody, but for me, whenever I can take that step where all of a sudden I'm doing it, it's like, uh, I'm doing it. I'm really doing it. It's like riding a bike. 
Yes, right, exactly. That first time you rode the bike, like, I'm riding it. <laughs> <laughs> and the longer you do it, pretty soon you don't have to think of all those things. It's like driving right. the first time you drive. It's like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I have a clutch and a gear shifter and brakes <laughs> and steering and blinkers and, oh, all these things. And then, of course, it starts raining. Right? <laughs> pretty soon you do it so much, it's just like you're on autopilot. And that's what we want. We want all of this stuff to be so second nature that, this is how we always respond. You brought back a memory always... just then. My mom taught me how to drive. And <laughs> the, the very first time that I drove, we were driving someplace. We're off kind of on a side road. She pulls, she doesn't even pull over hardly. She just kind of stops in the middle of this road because there's nobody on the road and says, okay, you're driving. And I'm like terrified, <laughs> right? You know, so we switch, we switch seats. I go to the, to the driver's seat. I get in the car. We're drive, we drive about three blocks down and it starts to rain. And I just freeze up. I literally break in the middle of the road and I said, how do I turn on windshield wipers? <laughs> I swear I didn't know that story already. <laughs> just using it oh. as an example. Right. So I mean, it's not the way it goes. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Let's see. You, you said I would scroll and figure out. Uh, I was hoping you could tell me exactly where we were because I wasn't sure exactly where we are in the book. But uh, I'll tell you what. Why, maybe you can figure it out. And while you're figuring it out, I'll do our promos because we haven't done those yet. So, so first things first, for those of you who are not yet subscribers, what are you waiting for? I mean, come on. We keep telling you about this every single episode. We want you to be a subscriber because that's how you get all the episodes coming to your smartphone or tablet or whatever device you use and that's why you can listen to all of them whatever you want to you don't have to be tuned in exactly at the time that we're doing the podcast recording or perhaps uh, as we're doing today live streaming into the law of attraction change my life group on facebook you know so become a subscriber it's really easy to do if you know how your podcast software works that you have or assuming you have some on your on your device just do a search on loa today if you don't know for sure just go to the homepage of our website lowaytoday.net we've got links right there that you can click on that just walk you right through it depending on what kind of device you have you just click the link it tells you apple iphone android whatever you're using and if if even that's too much in Almost every place that we post this stuff, we're now putting links in the description where we're posting it. So, like, if you're listening right now on the Facebook group, just scroll down in the post that you're watching this video in, and you'll see links there. I mean, how much simpler can we make it? It's right there. <laughs> you don't have to do much. So, please do become a subscriber. You're going to love it. And once you're a subscriber, and for all existing subscribers, please put out on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter or well, actually all of them, <laughs> every place that you're a social media member, put out there that you're listening to LOAToday.net because you uh, not only activate the social media um, uh, capabilities for sharing the word, but you also activate the law of attraction saying, I want more people to find LOAToday.net. And we want that yes. because we want to spread the idea of the Daily Dose of Happy. I mean, that's been my motivation from day one. It's really been my motivation for the last couple of years, and especially when I brought you and, and Wendy and Tom on board and started expanding it. It's become a huge obsession with me. I want millions of people to have happier days because I just keep imagining what happens when you have so many people who are having a better day. I mean, they just it just blows my mind. Even if they're not conscious creators, somehow all of a sudden things are going to start happening, and they're going to say, all these things are happening in my life. I don't know why they're happening. And then to listen to LOA today and find out why. Yeah. That's a good thing to remember is that everybody's always creating. Absolutely. It's not, most of them aren't doing it consciously. Well, we were talking about that this morning. Yeah, our energy entrains to itself. And so that energy is important, whether it's going to affect 
everyone, whether they know it or not, whether exactly. they're conscious about the law of attraction or not. Now, right? we do want them to be conscious about it. I mean, that's part of the yes. reason we do the show. <laughs> but, you know, right. they, they may find out about us without having that conscious awareness, and that's okay. I mean, we're still going to help them get to that higher vibration anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> when I look back, I can't really remember how I found out about the law of attraction, conscious creating, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't remember. Mm. And I think a lot of people might not remember. So they might just end up happening upon us, but they might happen upon us because they saw your tweets. That's quite possible. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I've just yeah. listened to LOA today. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. And it's true. And, and actually I can't tell you all of how I found, um, law of attraction. I know it was from watching the secret. I know that I watched The Secret for the first time in November 2007, but I also know that I had kind of heard about the movie for like the previous couple of years since it had come out, and I didn't know anything about it. I, it was one of those, like, ba- it was background, you know, it was like you, you'd right. heard the name, and it was some phenomenon, and that's all you really knew about it, and, and that's what it was, but can I tell you what it was that made me think of it? I can only tell you what stimulated me to want to watch it at that time. Because at that time, this was one year before the financial crisis, and I was blessed slash cursed with advanced knowledge about the crisis coming. I was one of the few people who could actually see that it was coming for very good reasons that I won't bore you with, but I was up on economics enough to understand that it was coming, and I was getting really depressed because I didn't know of any way to help people get around it. I was thinking about, do I write a book? Do I, you know, I had a website up. I was publishing stuff on the website. You know, I was reaching a few people that way, but I just felt like I need to reach, you know, tens of millions of people and tell them, hey, this thing's coming. You got to be prepared for this. And I didn't know how to do it. And so it, it just got me down. And then all of a sudden, I don't remember how, somehow the secret came into my awareness again. I said, I've heard of that. Where did I hear about that? It was like, like when that, didn't that come out two years ago or something like that? What was that about? And then for some reason, I just decided to go buy a copy. But why? I don't know. I can't tell you why, other than what I just said. I always feel like I really agree with the idea that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that certainly and, happened here. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes when we're not ready, it appears and we don't recognize that it's there. Mm-hmm. So that's why it appears to us. Like right. <laughs> We have an awareness <laughs> when we're ready for a teaching I mean, even with Neville, sometimes, and I say this all the time, but I will read a Neville book and then read it again, you know, a year later and realize, wow, this is really great. Mm. I don't remember reading this before. What's really bad, though, is when it's highlighted. I go, well, I did read it before. (laughs) (laughs) So where we are right now is we're in Chapter 2. We're about two-thirds of the way into the chapter, the paragraph that we ended up with this morning is one that says, nations as well as people are only what you believe them to be. No matter what the problem is, no matter where it is, no matter whom it concerns, you have no one to change but yourself, and you have neither opponent nor helper in bringing about the change within yourself. You have nothing to do but convince yourself of the truth of that which you desire to see manifested. Did we stop and there we because it was election day? <laughs> look, look what it's saying. Nations as well as people are only... I mean, yeah. they're, they're talking about... I mean, 
Is that why we stopped there? The first thing I thought of this morning when we read that as our last paragraph, I thought, wow, uh, okay. Uh, (laughs) And we talked about this word convince. You have nothing to do but convince yourself of the truth of that which you desire to see manifested. Um, And we were talking about the difference, or is there a difference between convincing ourselves of a truth or allowing ourselves to believe a certain Mm. thing? Mm -hmm. I kind of think it's, they're tangled up together because at some point in my life, I realized that, I don't know if I realized it within me or within listening to other people talk, but sometimes people will say, well, I believe whatever. I've always believed that my whole life. And it's sort of like they can't change their belief. Oh, yeah. I was one of those. (laughs) For the longest time I was that. One day I just had this idea. I was like, I can believe whatever I want. I mean, I have the privilege uh, of choosing. I get to choose. I can choose. I can say, this is what I'm going to believe. (laughs) It sounds silly, but, you know, it's really always hard to uh, explain an epiphany to someone and make it sound good. (laughs) That was convincing to me as far as I'm concerned. Because for me, it was somebody had to explain it to me. If you just got it, I'm thinking, whoa, very good. (laughs) So Neville says, as soon as you succeed in convincing yourself, of the reality of the state sought, results follow to confirm your fixed belief. So I think that sentence is worth delving into because, first of all, convincing ourselves of the reality of the state sought. So that's, to me, assuming the feeling of the wish, mm-hmm. um, convincing ourselves of the reality. He talks about our imagination when we really start to lock it in, that it will harden into fact. Yes. And that's what I think he's talking about here. Uh, as soon as you succeed in convincing yourself of the reality of the state sought, results follow to confirm your fixed belief. I think it's interesting that it doesn't just say to confirm your belief. Yeah. But your it's these words, right? Convince. Like if I tell you I'm convinced, mm-hmm. uh, there's no doubt. There in that statement, there's no uncertainty or wishy-washiness. No, I'm I'm convinced. Yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle uh, room. So, I'm convinced. It's just it's there. I'm done. <laughs> right. So it's a fixed belief. Mm-hmm. So Neville says, as soon as we succeed in convincing ourselves of the reality of the state sought, then results will follow. That's what it says. Yeah. He says that the results follow. They follow to confirm. Our, our fixed belief. We talked about this this morning about signs follow. Mm-hmm. They don't proceed. Right. Uh, right. And that, that, that's, never... that's what's interesting about the word convince there because, like you said, this is about the hardening. And it has always seemed to me, whenever I was trying to be that deliberate creator, I, I had like this nebulous idea and I was trying to turn it into something that I really believed in. I was convincing myself. I was trying to convince myself. Sometimes I wasn't even succeeding in doing that, but I could tell there was a convincing process. It was almost like I was having an argument with myself or I was you know, just trying to talk myself into it or whatever. Well, think about how many times when we talk about intuition, somebody will say, oh, I knew I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's the forehead slap. Oh, right. like I I should have listened to my gut. Mm. right? And And to me, that is our intuition speaks up. 
And then that argument you're talking about starts. Mm -hmm. Our logical mind starts giving us all these reasons why we should not listen to that voice. And then, you know, then whatever happens that causes us to say, oh, I knew (laughs) knew I should have listened. But have you ever noticed that the logical mind never argues for something positive? It always tries to tear it apart. (laughs) It always tries to find what's wrong. (laughs) The flip side of that is that I always teach that our intuition is always working for our higher good. Mm -hmm. Like our intuition doesn't lead us astray. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that our intuition, our higher self, our higher wiser self, our inner being is giving us a message that is trying to take care of us. And our logical mind is trying to, uh, I think what our logical mind wants to do is to stay safe and, and don't do anything that's a a change. So it's that familiar zone that we call our comfort zone. It's really uncomfortable sometimes. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. He says, you never suggest to another the state which you desire to see him express. Instead, you convince yourself that he is already that which you desire him to be. Now, this is interesting because now we're getting off into um, wanting someone else to be something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we've had this discussion before, Mm -hmm. kind of – Hmm. What is that manipulation when we when we want to change someone else's behavior or so? Well, I'm not us, sure if, it, if it's manipulation or if it's setting yourself up for failure. It's one or the other. But. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he is he is talking about convincing ourselves that this other person he's mentioning is already that which we desire him to be. And I kind of think about Abraham saying. This is how you know if your thought processes are helping someone. Do you feel good when you're thinking about them? Right, right. So I read that statement. The only way I can read that statement and have it align with my own personal, you know, ethics is to recognize that when I look at other people, I want to see them meeting their potential. I want to Mm. see them already successful, already enjoying life, already uh, free from pain and suffering and free from attachment and aversion. You know, I want to see them in that place where they are uh, thriving. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of telling them. So if I look at it that way, then I hear Neville saying, you know, don't you don't need to suggest to someone that you want to see them thriving. Just convince yourself that he's thriving. <laughs> it's like, OK, I can deal with that. It's a good point, yeah. That, because I, I, I think we all, to some extent, want that. Well, maybe not everybody, but most people want other people to be in a better place. Most people want other people to, you know, be successful, especially people they care about. You know, at the very minimum, you know, your family member or your best friend, or, you want them to succeed. You want them to be in a good yes. place. And and it's so easy to get hooked up in. Well, okay, I gotta help make that happen. Sitting back and saying, all I have to do is just put it in my own mind is once again reminding yourself it's not the doing, it's the feeling, it's the prepping, it's it's the it's the mental work, it's not actual working, it's not actually doing, it's just getting yourself into that place, that vibrational aligned place. Right, and seeing them in that place. Mm-hmm. I love that it says convince yourself. We've got that word convince again. There it is, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and I know that that I know that to be true. And sometimes when I teach other coaches, I will teach this that when I hear a coach 
worrying over a client and saying, you know, oh, this person, I'm just really worried that they're not going to be able to achieve whatever, um, right? When we have those thoughts as coaches, I don't know if there are any coaches listening, but that's when we need to step back and realize that we need to hold our clients in a space of being whole, of being able to achieve these things, of yeah. being already victorious, of being successful. Because if we can't hold that space for them, then they won't get there with us as their coach. I right. mean, they may get there, but, it, you know, when we have to make sure we're envisioning success for our clients. So, and for our family and friends and lovers mm-hmm. and, you know, spouses and children mm-hmm. and everybody. Right. Yes. Convince ourselves that mm-hmm. they're already, <laughs> they're already there. It's a good thing to practice. So, that's that's why I was talking about what I was doing during my walk. I, I'm just really appreciating how good it is to just practice that all the time in every way that I can and, and kind of like, you know, expanding myself a little bit. Can I, can I try it here and try it here and try it here? Just constantly practicing holding myself, holding my ideals, holding my friends, holding my wife and all these people that are in my life and, and elements of my life, events in my life, just doing everything I can to get them into that aligned place. It's, it's a lot of work, yeah. but it's good work. It's good. It's work well, that I'm, t- I'm enjoying doing more and more. I'll tell you what, it's a good hint. And that is when you go into your meditative space, you know, whatever time that is, if you do this at night when you're falling asleep, if you mm-hmm. have some kind of time in the day where you take five or 20 or an hour, whatever amount of time you take to meditate, a practice of imagining something. If you're having trouble tapping into the feeling of the wish fulfilled for mm-hmm. yourself, yeah, start doing it for someone else. Oh, yeah. Start imagining someone you love. Yeah, that's Completely true. joyful and happy and surrounded by friendship and in perfect health. Start doing it for them because what you're doing, you're still tapping into that same energy of success. Yeah, and sure vibrancy right and sometimes it's easier to see it for someone else oh god yes because right because we we don't have our mind telling us all the stories that we've got around ourselves so my wife's told me that a thousand times she used to be a psychotherapist she said it's so easy (laughs) to do therapy for somebody else it's for yourself that's the hard one but when you're doing it for somebody else it's so much easier (laughs) (laughs) exactly so okay so neville says realization of your wish is accomplished by assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. You cannot fail unless you fail to convince yourself of the reality of your wish. Mm -hmm. A change of belief is confirmed by a change of expression. And I think when he uses the word expression, um, I'm going to, I think his meaning is your wishes being expressed in 3d reality. We call it manifestation. Uh, I think that's what he means, but I also think that we'll notice uh, that inner smile happening and uh, have a different expression on our own face. Mm-hmm. I notice that when I'm tapping into this. When I have those moments where I really do assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, it almost always results in a spontaneous bubbling up of a smile. So I, the, I like the first to few times for me, there. The first few times for yeah. me that that happened was a bit of a shock. Because I found out about it, not by noticing it in myself, but out of my walks, all of a sudden people were grinning at me. And I'm thinking, why are these people <laughs> grinning at me? I didn't know I was smiling. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's wonderful. There's your confirmation. Yeah, right. Big confirmation. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> 
Uh. Neville says, every night as you drop off to sleep, feel satisfied and spotless. Hmm. For your subjective lover always forms the objective world in the image and likeness of your conception of it. The conception defined by your feeling. Now remember, he speaks of our subconscious saying that the subconscious is what does all the creating. Right. But our conscious mind impresses our subconscious. And he talks about our subconscious loving us and mm-hmm. being a lover of us right. and ha- it being a unconditional kind of love where mm-hmm. whatever we impress the subconscious with, it just creates it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's what this is when it talks about forming the objective world in the image and likeness of our conception of it, the conception and, defined by our feeling. And, and so the word spotless is so important. Spotless came before too, didn't it? What didn't he? Wasn't he talking about spotless? In, I think in terms of of our conception of ourselves, of or, or maybe of our, yes, yes, or perhaps yes. of the subconscious. We, I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it was, but yeah, yes, because you likened it to Abraham talking about our inner being mm-hmm. and how our inner being always sees us right in the place. Right, of right, right. Yeah, that's right. Always sees us yes. healthy. And, yeah. Okay, so. Um, Neville uses language sometimes that we don't normally use in this, in our, in our modern day. Uh, seeing that these, many of these things were written like, you know, in the 1940s. So over 60 years ago. Right. Uh, The waking two thirds of your life on earth ever corroborates or bears witness to your subconscious impressions. That's what we talked about. We talk about this a lot. You want to know what your real beliefs are, what your story is that you're telling about yourself, you know, inwardly and outwardly. Just take a look around because whatever you've got going on, um, that's it. Exactly. It's, it's out picturing in your world. So the waking two thirds of your life on earth ever corroborates or bears witness to your subconscious impressions. The actions and events of the day are effects. They are not causes. Free will is only freedom of choice. Which is not normally the way we think about free will, but it makes a lot of sense in the context of what he's saying here. Because really that's the only time that you're exercising a free will is before all this stuff is happening. While it's happening, it's happening in response to what you decided through your free will before. Not what you decide now, what you decided before. Which is, and we talked about this too, you know, the idea of choice that we were talking about. Well, is it really creation? Because somewhere Neville was talking about, and we've heard this before from other teachers and from people that are now talking about uh, qu- the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. We hear people say, talk about uh, the multiverse and talk about parallel universes and say everything you want is already created. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. Remember, Neville has a book or a chapter in a book. It is finished. Creation is finished. Mm-hmm. One of the chapters. We said, well, if creation is finished, then <laughs> why do we say we're creating? We both agreed. Well, really, it's what we're doing is we're choosing. Mm-hmm. That's our the freedom to choose, our freedom of choice. So the actions and events of the day are effects. They are not causes. So often we think that... This or that caused something, but there's always the, the cause is our is our consciousness, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. 
the effect is whatever is outpictured in my reality. I was just realizing, too, because you, you got my mind going about that prior conversation where we're trying to figure out, well, if it's all been created, what then? You know, And you, you made the point that it's about uh, we're getting to choose. I think there's something else to it also. Um, I don't remember exactly how I, I expressed it, but I remember I used a metaphor of what infinity is all about. And where you have infinity, if, 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 if there are an infinite number of choices, if there are an infinite number of things to create, even if everything's created, it still isn't all created. I mean, what, what has been created is complete, but that doesn't mean it's all over. <laughs> it's, not, it's not finite. It's continuously growing. So it's both. It's choosing and it's creating. And, and basically, a lot of the time, it's both. You're doing both at the same time. I still remember the first time I ever heard the idea of parallel universes mm -hmm. the idea that that somewhere in a parallel universe there is this exact situation but just one little thing is different yes right <laughs> and it goes on forever there there's an infinite number of situations that are just like this yes with one little thing changed and i it just, just kind of blows my mind right it's like hard to comprehend infinity or finite something that's infinite um everything is always so finite in the way we think of things everything we think of has some kind of beginning and some kind of end mm -hmm. some kind of number we want to measure it <laughs> that's just not in the same category of thinking when everything all of a sudden is infinite <laughs> yeah that's true although we've also talked yeah. about the um the worm the the image of us as we move through time and it creates a worm yes. of us a, an action worm so to speak and that worm, in a sense, represents what each of our choices were at any given instant in time. All these other choices were all possibilities. And like you said, they're all in parallel universes. But we, we made one choice, and so all those options collapse down to this one for that one instant in time. And then all those choices collapse down to that one choice in this instant in time, <laughs> continuously doing that, ongoing, forever. <laughs> that that's, blows my mind, too. Just... So let's see. Neville says... The subconscious receives impressions only through the feeling of man and in a way known only to itself gives these impressions form and expression. Uh, I feel like we've read that exact thought before. We have, but there's a uh, question in here for me because he's using the word feelings. Are you, do you think he's talking about emotions or is he talking about sense, sen sensation, or is it both? Well... I have a tendency to think it's both, but I think it's really important that we understand the di the distinction because so many times before, at least for me, when I first was reading these things, when I first when I first heard the idea of assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, mm -hmm. I immediately went to emotion. Yeah, immediately oh yeah. said, "How would I feel if this wish I have came to pass?" Exactly. And I was trying to tap into some kind of emotion that I would feel. I would feel ecstatic. I would feel happy. I would feel joyful. I would feel, and it's really hard to drum up happy and ecstatic and joyful. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tap into that when the thing hasn't manifested yet in our experience. So then I realized that, you know, he talks about, he gives this example. He says, picture yourself. Picture yourself climbing a ladder. Imagine that you're watching yourself climb a ladder. But then he says, okay, here's the difference now. Picture there's a ladder right in front of you. Now climb it yes. in your imagination. And 
at that point, you're grabbing the sides of the ladder with your hand and you're stepping on the rungs. And I'm like, that's feeling. Mm -hmm. Like I reach out and I shake someone's hand that's congratulating me for the right. promotion or for the success I have. And I'm feeling their hand in my hand. Yes. I think for me personally, that's easier to access than an emotion might be. But I say, go for both of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or maybe not even both, both of them. Go for whichever one you can get to first. That's the way I look at it, because I just want to get a feeling going. Well, I think that for me, uh, the, when I start imagining my wish fulfilled, I imagine the feelings first. Do you? I imagine that I'm standing somewhere or sitting somewhere, and I can feel the chair beneath me. I can feel the floor beneath my feet. I can feel my hands on the table or my hands shaking someone's hand. Like, I can feel those things. Mm -hmm. And once I get those feelings going and they start to become seeming like reality to mm -hmm. me in my imagination, in my meditation, then the emotions start to come automatically. And so I, I guess mm -hmm. whatever works for you, go there. But yeah, I think well, sometimes I know, sometimes I know I try to get into the, the, the feeling, assuming the feeling and I reach for what's the emotion and I can't find it. Hmm. So mm -hmm. in that case, I'm not going to get there by trying to find the emotion. I've got to go for a sensual feeling of some kind. I got to go for right. a sensation. Otherwise, I'm not going to get there. So that's why I'm saying I have to go for whichever one's going to get me there soonest. Because if I if I just stick to trying to go for the emotion, I'm not going to get there probably because <laughs> I can't find right. it. <laughs> well, somewhere, and I don't know if it was this chapter or the previous chapter or the previous Neville book. Um, <laughs> I remember a paragraph starting with the word sensation. Yeah, and so was. we started talking about that, thinking sensation. Now, that sounds more like um, a feeling of one of – I mean, it's one of our senses. Right, right. You can And you can do that as well, is if the feeling of your wish fulfilled, if the little, the little vignette you've created, if it – if you can work in tastes and smells and sounds and touching, uh, work all those in as well. Not just seeing. In fact, so, when we talked about the uh, story where you, you, you made uh, reference to it, you alluded to it when you said, I can imagine shaking hands, uh, for, you know, congratulations yes. on the success. For me, when I think of that image, the first thing that does not come to me is the emotion of feeling successful. The first thing that comes to me is the touching of the hands. Yes. That's the first thing, first thing that's in my mind. So in that case, the sensation comes before the emotion. But there are other yeah, times where it's, it's the other way around, and that's why I'm never really sure which way it's going to go. <laughs> well, I think it's important to remember them both Yeah. and let them start working together mm. because as, the, as it starts hardening into fact, you know, you will experience them both. At least in my experience, that's how it's always worked. Do you find that, it, that um, one actually flows easily into the other? Because I find very often I have to piece it together. Like with the handshake, I can feel the handshake, and then I have to ask myself – what emotion is going with the handshake and then find the feeling of success that way. I, I often have to piece it together like that. It doesn't come easily to me. So if I put together that small vignette of there's something that I want mm -hmm. and I know that once I get it, someone that's in my life is obviously going to come and say, Hey, I heard about right. your success and they're going to reach their hand out and I'm going to shake their hand. 
and they're going to say something to me and I'm going to say something to them, right? So in my mind, I would be devising a short script. Okay. And this, the, the vignette would include some words. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I'm particularly verbal, but so I may imagine uh, running into my friend and my friend says, hey, I heard about this big success you had. That right. is wonderful. And sticks their hand out, shake my hand. And as I shake their hand, I say, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. It really is great. I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be it. Like, we don't want to make the vignette too long. Yeah. We want it short. We want a little short script. Someone mm-hmm. says, I heard about your success. We say, thank you so much. We shake hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the In the imagining of that, the emotion will come automatically. And I think that what, what I'm focused on first is feelings. My feet are on the ground. I'm shaking a hand. I can feel that. And then the the words that are happening and the emotion follows automatically. But the more I do it, it's like it just all happens at once because mm-hmm. it's very natural. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when it becomes a more familiar thing, that's the hardening part, really. Because when you're hardening, you're, all of it is, is becoming a more consistent whole it's just coming together yes yeah and it becomes more natural just because you've done it over and over in your imagination Mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to construct it anymore you don't have to think about it anymore all those parts are becoming part of you because you do it so often this is the this is the reason why we practice this is how we stay on that bridge between the visible and the invisible. <laughs> you mean we don't have to keep learning how to ride the bicycle? We actually learn to ride it? <laughs> yes. One day we One realize day. there's no training wheels. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So Neville goes on to say the actions of man are determined by his subconscious impressions. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Think about that. Because our imagination Mm -hmm. is impressing our subconscious, and that in turn is causing our actions or determining our actions. His illusion of free will. I want to go back to that other sentence. I'm sorry. I want to go back to that other sentence because as you were saying that, it was occurring to me that reading that kind of phrase helps me to harden my belief about how creation works. Because we often talk about it. We've been talking about it all day here, both in the morning podcast and this one, about right. how you, you, the thought and the feeling comes first, the action comes second, the event comes after. We've been playing with it in our minds. And right. it, it's a hard concept at first to grab because we're so used to the idea of being doers. we got to do things in order to make things happen. So when we're, we're, we're changing the order to the way things really actually work, it, it's a little bit strange at first. But when I read a phrase like that that says the actions of man are determined by his subconscious impressions, I don't know what it is. Something about it is saying to me, yes, of course, before I take any action, I have to have thought about it in some way. I have to have put something into it mentally. And now it starts to make more – it starts to feel real now. It, it, it helps right. make that that – that understanding of deliberate creation seem real. (laughs) Well, what I think is interesting is that he says that the actions of man are determined by his subconscious impressions. Yeah. And he says his illusion of free will, his belief in freedom of action is but ignorance of the causes which make him act. He thinks himself free because he's forgotten the link between himself and the event. And 
it's really interesting because to me it's sort of like um, a circle. <laughs> In other words, I have an idea and I impress my subconscious. My subconscious determines some action. That action probably determines another idea mm-hmm. that yeah. impresses my subconscious and just keeps going. Uh, so maybe that there is free will somewhere. It started at some point when we made our first decision to be conscious about what we are going to impress the subconscious with. But I, before that, it wasn't. I, I'm trying to right? get a, a better handle on what his phrase means, his illusion of free will. It seems to be that he's using that phrase in in the context of this little string of events that we, we're talking about here, or the string of, of what happens in an event. He's placing it, it sounds like in the middle, like during the action sequence as if that's where the free will is. And and it sounds like that's what he means by the illusion. Is that the way you're reading it? The way I'm reading it is that he is speaking of someone who is not privy to this information. He's okay. speaking of someone who is not a conscious creator, but someone who nevertheless is affected by the law of attraction, if you will, right? They're mm-hmm. creating. We're all creating. Mm-hmm. So he's saying... <clears throat> the actions of man, if you read it this way, and not as a how-to, but as a description of what most people are living when they are not conscious of the great power that they have to create. Okay. The actions of that man, right? <laughs> they're determined by his subconscious impressions. Yeah. He has an illusion of free will. He thinks that he has freedom of action, but actually the causes that make him act are all subconscious. He thinks he's free because he's forgotten or doesn't know about yet Mm -hmm. the link between himself and his subconscious impressions and the event. Make more sense? A little bit, yeah. It's still a little bit airy-fairy, but yes, it makes a little bit more sense when when I tie it in with the phrase, his belief in freedom of action. Well, and then if if you see his next sentence, he says, man awake. So... Interesting because we're talking about sleep (laughs) and it's like, what is he, is he talking about um, once we're conscious of how this works or is he talking about once we're awake from sleeping? Yes and yes, it Uh, sounds like. Yes and yes, I think. Man awake is under compulsion to express his subconscious impressions. If in the past he unwisely impressed himself, (laughs) then let him begin to change his thought and feeling. For only as he does so will he change his world. Now, doesn't this sound like to you, it's when we look back and we realize how law of attraction was working when we didn't know about it and we impressed ourselves in an unwise way. It's like, oh, I see how I created that mess. Okay. I don't have to look that uh, far like, back. I really don't. I mean, that, that's <laughs> often my daily life. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm laughing, but I'm not kidding. That's really what goes on. Uh, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, oh. It's like... I, <laughs> I regularly do the forehead slap. <laughs> say, oh. I was doing it during my walk today. I mean, it was a good walk. Don't get me wrong. And I was, you could tell I was very busy because a lot of stuff was going on. But, it, but there was one period of time for like a 10 or 15 minute period where I just, I was allowing my mind, I don't know why, I was allowing my mind to go down all these rabbit holes that ended in really dire results. And I'm saying, Walt, what the hell are you doing? Don't think about that. <laughs> 
and then I catch myself, and then five minutes later, I was doing it again. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's so good to laugh about this because we all do this. Yeah. We all do it. We all go down those rabbit holes. We all have to pull ourselves back. And that's what he's talking about right here, right? He says, if in the past he unwisely impressed himself, let him begin to change his thought and feeling, for only as he does so will he change his world. Do not waste one moment in regret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Neville. Thank you. Do not waste one moment in regret. (laughs) For to think feelingly of the mistakes of the past is to reinfect yourself. (laughs) Is that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Let the dead bury the dead. Matthew 8, 22. He says, turn from appearances and assume the feeling that would be yours were you already the one you wish to be. Mm. Feeling a state produces that state. It's really simple. It's just not really easy. Okay. Is that the truth? I tell you, it, 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 I mean, that you just summarized it so beautifully. It, it's simple. It's just not easy. <laughs> the part you play on the world stage is determined by your conception of yourself. By feeling your wish fulfilled and quietly relaxing into sleep, you cast yourself in a star role to be played on earth tomorrow. And while asleep, you are rehearsed and instructed in your part. Hmm. That's really nice. I have to, I have to just cut and paste that to somewhere else so I don't yeah. forget that little phrase. Uh, the acceptance of the end automatically wills the means of realization. Now here's something worth thinking about because we all go here too, and that is how we think of something we want, and the first thought usually is two, two first thoughts. The first one. How is this going to happen? And what do I need to do? Right. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? How is it going to happen? And Neville is saying that the end automatically wills the means. Once we accept the end, once we assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, it will unfold on its own. That feels really good to me because I'm tired of worrying about how things are going to happen. He says, make no mistake about this. If... As you prepare for sleep, you do not consciously feel yourself into the state of the answered wish. Then you will take with you into the chamber of her who conceived you the sum total of the reactions and feelings of the waking day. And while asleep, you will be instructed in the manner in which they will be expressed tomorrow. Now, remember this whole into the chamber of her who conceived you. Again, He's talking about your imagination. In the conception of ourself happens in our imagination. And we don't want to consciously, we don't want to take into that chamber of imagination as we go to sleep all these troubles of the day. Mm -hmm. Because if we do, then the next day when we wake up, those same things will be expressed again the next day. And he says, you'll rise believing that you're a free agent not realizing that every action and event of the day is predetermined by your concept of self as you fell asleep. Your only freedom, then, is your freedom of reaction. You are free to choose how you feel and react to the day's drama. But the drama, the actions, events, and circumstances of the day have already been determined. What do you think about when you hear that? 
honestly, I'm still about three paragraphs back. I mean, this is all really good <laughs> stuff. But, but I mean, I, I, I don't even remember where exactly you were reading it or maybe if you were just expressing it. But the way you expressed it, I, I can't remember exactly how you expressed it, but it, but it was something about um, the end being – how did you say that? It was something about the end being created by being. I don't remember what you said. It was a really good phrase. I'm trying to find is it something that you read off his thing or is it something you said? But it just clicked something in my mind, and I'm, and I'm trying to piece it all back together again. Well, what we know is that he's talking about the action and events of the day being predetermined by the concept of ourself as we fall asleep, which is kind of mind blowing. Mm hmm. But what he's saying is that whatever conception we have of ourself as we fall asleep, that determines what's going to happen the next day. Mm -hmm. And when it happens the next day, then we do have the freedom to react to it, to respond to it, to choose however we want to feel about it. Mm -hmm. But in that moment where we're falling asleep, whoever we see ourselves to be, is actually determining what's going to be the, the day's drama, mm -hmm. as yeah. he says. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is what he's That's saying. That's kind of wild. It is. It's very <laughs> wild. All I know is that my, my brain went through about four flip-flops for all this <laughs> as I'm trying to make sense out of it all. But, it's, yeah, it's good. Well, I think that's why we've been taking so much time with it. Yeah. Because there's a lot here. It's very dense. It's very dense. Uh, Oh, here it is. I found the phrase. The acceptance of the okay, end automatically it? wills the means of, of realization. That was, the yes. that was the sentence that I was reacting to. The acceptance of the end automatically wills the means of realization. And Right. And wouldn't you say that was the day's drama that he's talking about? Yeah, it is. But more than that, I, what, was, what flashed through my mind was the similarity that that phrase has to something that I, I've never believed was true and always kind of associated with like despots and tyrants and horrible people, the ends justifies the means. Oh. And it's not the yeah. same idea, but it occurred no. to me, <laughs> I wondered, well, it, it's, it's got a similarity. The similarity is the acceptance of the end. And it right. occurred to me, somebody who believes that the end justifies the means, it, it's almost as if they're saying, I'm arguing for accepting the end. But I'm turning it into this really weird kind of a rationale in order, you know, once I start right. from that point. And I was just noticing that similarity. And, and for the first time, I could, I don't agree with it, but I could understand why somebody comes to the conclusion that the ends justifies the means. It's a, it's a distortion and, and what, of, a, of a very basic concept. And what we know is that the subconscious makes no judgments, right? True. Like this law of attraction, uh, it doesn't really have values and ethics the way we think of values and right. ethics. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It just right. So yeah, so um, that's the whole deal with recognizing that any anyone and everyone is affected by the law of attraction, and anyone can also use it consciously. So Neville exactly. talked about that in one of his books. He talked about this is a great power. Use it for good. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean. My, my paraphrase of Neville, but he said it. And so I thought that was important.
I think it is important. I, I think it's actually a critical piece of this, and I, I've never really been sure how to tie it in because, like you said, the law of attraction doesn't know value judgments. It has nothing to do with value judgments. And yeah. you know, being a deliberate creator really directly does not have anything to do with value judgments either. We use them because we're making choices, but that's not anything to do with the process itself. And so it can be a source of confusion. And yet, by the same token, we also know that when we make choices based on what feels good to us, we end up with a more abundant life. Now, yes, that's, that is something that we can either choose to have or not choose to have. It's completely up to us. But the bottom line there, the way I look at it is, if we want to have the kind of life we really want to have, we really do need to do so in the best alignment with what it is we really want. And that in, yes. a, in and of itself is a value judgment. True. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, the things that make us feel good are the things that are going to be good for the world. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So guess what? I, I think we're going to wrap up this chapter, maybe. All right. Well, let's give it a shot. We got a couple minutes left. Let's see if we can do it. <laughs> let's see. Um, hmm. I think we will. Unless you consciously and purposely Define the attitude of mind with which you go to sleep. You unconsciously go to sleep in the composite attitude of mind made up of all feelings and reactions of the day. Every reaction makes a subconscious impression. And unless counteracted by an opposite and more dominant feeling is the cause of future action. Ideas enveloped in feeling are creative actions. Use your divine right wisely. Ha, huh, that was just what we were talking about. <laughs> That's right? right. Through your ability to think and feel, you have dominion over all creation. While you are awake, you are a gardener selecting seed for your garden. But except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bring forth much fruit. He's quoting John 12. Your conception of yourself as you fall asleep is the seed you drop into the ground of the subconscious. Dropping off to sleep, feeling satisfied and happy, compels conditions and events to appear in your world which confirm these attitudes of mind. Sleep is the door into heaven. What you take in as a feeling, you bring out as a condition, action, or object in space. So sleep in the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Yeah, that's good stuff. The, um, yes. few, a few things <laughs> occur, occurred to me. We were talking earlier about the, the metaphor, particularly in this morning's podcast, the metaphor of subconscious and conscious, um, which are really part of the same mind, but we differentiate them because we need to be able to tell them apart and be able to identify right. what they are. And he identifies them with the metaphor of male and female. And we talked about how that leads to the idea of intimacy and how it's a very private thing that goes on inside our heads and so on and so forth and how it's about uh, being gentle with ourselves and it's about being kind and loving with ourselves. I tie that in to that second to last paragraph where he's talking about uh, the dropping of the, the seed on the ground, where he's talking about your conception of yourself as you fall asleep is the seed you drop into the ground of the subconscious. When yeah. I tie those together, I'm, what I'm really hearing there is be kind to yourself about what it is that you're, putting into your mind before you fall asleep. Be good to right. yourself. Right. 
you know? And it seems like such a powerful opportunity, and we do that every night, hopefully. <laughs> well, at least we try to. Hopefully we go to sleep every night. <laughs> um, I, I know there are some people listening that are like, yeah, I pulled an all-nighter the other night. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, yes. Well, they, yeah. they they did eventually go to sleep. Otherwise, they wouldn't be awake right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, this has been really good. And I want to make yeah, sure be, before we uh, part company for the week, because this is sadly our last show together this week, but we get to do it next week. Tell people again, how do they reach Cindy Chavez? Uh, they can find me at my website online, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com, CindyChavez.com. You can Find me there, drop me a line, use my contact form, send me an email, give me a shout, a wave. I would love to hear from you. Sounds great. <laughs> Cindy, I can't wait to talk to you again next week. It will be exciting. I'm excited about it, too. Have a great rest of the week, and I'll be back on Tuesday. Thank you very much, and we hope that you'll join us as well next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.